1: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply.
0: Are you caring for an aging parent? Are you searching for answers? Welcome to Senior Care Live, a program dedicated to you, providing information, education, and resources, helping you become the best caregiver you can be. I'm your host, Steve Kieker. Hello and welcome to Senior Care Live. I'm Steve Keeker, President of Senior Care Consulting. Thanks so much for tuning in today. I really appreciate it. Senior Care Live is the nation's premier radio program where we provide information, education, and resources... For seniors and their caregivers, this is a safe place to get accurate and reliable information you can absolutely count on. And each and every week we discuss important issues such as how to remain independent in your own home how to find the right senior care community, how to pay for the high cost of senior care, and legal issues involving elder law and estate planning. We also discuss senior-related health issues and how to care for the caregiver. As always, if you have a question, you can reach us on our toll-free number anytime. That's 1-800-331-6445, 1-800- 331 6445 Or you can visit online at uh, literally anytime at Senior Care Live, L-I-V-E, SeniorCareLive.com. All right, without any delay, let's bring on our special guest for today, Maureen Lester. She's an attorney with the Shepherd Elder Law Group. And Maureen, welcome to Senior Care Live.
1: Thanks so much for having me.
0: All right, so when we talked about the program today, we were kicking around some ideas. I really like the idea that you're you're wanting to set up a, a a situation, and really that theme is when a spouse becomes the caregiver, and then that sets off uh potentially a, a lot of other issues that need to be addressed so I, I I love the uh the topic today
1: thanks. I'm excited to get going
0: all right, so let's go ahead and set the stage so uh needless to say. If you are a spouse, especially an elderly spouse, caring for another elderly, for your elderly spouse, that is just beyond an extraordinarily difficult job to do to be a 27, uh, 20, uh, 24 hour a day by seven day a week caregiver. So I, I won't go through a, a whole lot, but I, I think a lot of times that's kind of glossed over. Let me just give a quick example of just one thing that you're going to do throughout the day being a 24 seven caregiver. So, and I heard, I heard about this recently from, from a client. So, so we have the husband and his wife had a stroke, actually her second stroke, and she needs a a lot of help and he is doing his best and he's, he really is doing a good job. He's getting really tired. Okay. So she needs to use the restroom and they're sitting in the living room and he's about 80 himself. He has to get himself up. Then he has to go over and get her walker and bring it over to her chair. And then she has to get up and get up to an upright position and position properly on her walker. And he has to lift her up, and they need to do that. This is all takes a while. And then he walks very carefully with her uh, many steps through the living room and down the hallway. Then they have to negotiate the right turn into the bathroom. That door is two feet wide, so it's not very user-friendly if you're using a walker. So he gets her through that. They kind of move sideways, and then he has to help her with her clothing, help her to the toilet. Uh, he has to help her get cleaned up. He has to help her from the toilet, get her redressed, move sideways through the bathroom back to the walker, and then walk down the hall and then several steps back over into the living room and then sit down and this whole this whole process just this one thing could literally take 10 or 15 minutes and that's one time helping your spouse use the restroom and she needs to do that several times per day. Plus she needs help with the shower. That could take an hour or two hours long plus meal time plus getting her dressed and undressed and in bed. And then you're exhausted. It's 11 o'clock at night, 10 o'clock at night. You're completely passed out because you're tired. And then she has Alzheimer's or dementia. And she wakes up at one o'clock and she's ready to go because her, her, her uh, concept of time. So. Then you don't get any sleep, and then you get up, and then you're helping her, and she's trying to leave the building. And This is just a brief, quick snapshot of being a 24-hour caregiver.
1: Absolutely, and how admirable by that husband. And those are the promises that you make when you get married, but certainly not the fun times that you imagine on your wedding day.
0: In sickness and in health, right? This is the sickness part. Absolutely. So as uh, the caregivers worn out, um, their quality of life really begins to decrease. And uh, and it's it's very, very overwhelming. Uh, it's okay to, to seek help and, uh, and and to ask for help. Although the, the men, we, we think we're Superman. We think we can do it all, but we really do need help. So let's talk about the relationship roles in, in that scenario.
1: Absolutely. So a lot of times when this occurs, you have the spouse becoming a caregiver, especially for those many, many hours a day, there's a shift in that marital relationship. And as all of us who are married or have a significant other know, that can cause strain when your roles tend to shift. So not only are you providing the care and becoming exhausted, but you're also learning this brand new role. So for example, if the wife in your situation typically handled the finances for their entire marriage she knows what day each bill arrives to the house she knows what day it's due she's got her system of writing the checks mailing it out or maybe it's on auto pay but all of a sudden after this stroke if she's no longer able to handle writing those checks the husband has to take on that role
0: and actually, that was their exact situation. She actually did do that, and overnight, now she can't handle that anymore.
1: Absolutely. And
0: he's not familiar with it now. So, so you got some problems there.
1: Right, especially if he hasn't really ever been very involved in that. He may not even know where all of the accounts are. Mm-hmm. Now we're really in trouble, and not only does he have to do all of these new tasks, but he also has to go on an investigative mission to find where all the money is.
0: All right. So we have, we have a sudden change in situation. We have a, a person who is now the caregiver. And all of a sudden, you're thinking, I'm not sure how much longer uh, I can do this. I'm starting to experience some burnouts. And, uh, and, and now we have a problem.
1: Absolutely. And I think that's one of the first things that if you are in those shoes of being a caregiver and you're starting to feel worn out, it's okay to feel those feelings. Anyone in your shoes would be overwhelmed. And it's okay to reach out for help. Do your best to think of a safe person to reach out to. Your first person to reach out to may not be someone like myself, may not be an elder law attorney. That sounds actually kind of daunting. But if you have a child or a close neighbor or friend, somebody who you can reach out to and just say, I need help. Can you help me navigate this situation? I think you'd be surprised at how many people are really willing to jump in and provide help.
0: Yeah, you have more friends than you, than you realize, but you just have to first admit that, realize that you need help, and then admit you need help. And again, for the guys, we, we struggle with that. <laughs> and But once you do that, you're doing yourself a huge favor because lots and lots of people are definitely going to help you. So... Uh, let's just have a quick review of some of the support that you may be able to uh, to acquire, either coming into your home or going to out to a senior care community. So, and
1: and Steve, you are the pro at this. When is it time to start looking for that care? And we've talked about a couple of those items. When the caregiver gets burnt out, we've just covered that. The sick when the spouse who needs the care, when they start to become unsafe, maybe in your scenario, the wife is trying to leave the house. And even if husband has sensors on the doors, I bet he's still half awake at night worried about her if she's up walking around. Just
0: waiting to hear that sensor go off.
1: Absolutely. If the wife's care needs start to become more than he can handle. For example, if he hurts his back trying to help her up from the couch one day, now her needs are more than he can handle. Or if she sees that, well, if they both see that their finances are dwindling, maybe they're stringing things together. They're bringing in friends and neighbors and hourly caregivers, and they can see their finances going down the drain, and they're starting to be concerned about their finances.
0: Yep, absolutely, and that would uh, those would be the triggers. And then what you could do is you could uh, bring in – uh home care so you could bring in uh, you know home care provider into your home uh my grandma did not want strangers in her home uh, i uh, i met with a very nice lady earlier this week and uh she said i don't like the idea of someone being in my house i i'd much rather go to them than have them come to my house so she just wasn't comfortable with it but a lot of people home care is a great great opportunity to remain independent at home and just get some help as much help as you need up to 24 hours you can move to assisted living where we've covered that on the show several times before, an assisted living facility can help you with those daily activities of bathing, dressing, grooming, meal preparation, medication reminders, transportation activity. They make all of your meals for you. So uh, that's uh, a great option for a lot of people and that if you need the nursing level, the long term care, you can certainly uh, move uh, move there as well. Uh, but uh, the the bottom line is you have to uh, uh, achieve the end result, which is trying to preserve your assets for that that spouse, the spouse living at home, and um, and, and not become uh, basically broke due to the high cost of the care for the spouse uh, requiring the care. And that's what we're going to talk about in the in the next segment. Is that right?
1: You bet, Steve. I'm going to talk about some of the benefits that are available at each of those levels of care but primarily we're going to look at a scenario where someone is in that very highest level of care In the nursing home where they're getting 24-7 nursing care.
0: Excellent. So you're going to want to, uh, our listeners are going to want to stay tuned and hear this next segment. It is going to be invaluable information. Uh, Go online at shepherdelderlaw.com and uh, we're going to give some more information right after the break. But first of all, the Senior Care Live question of the week, when should a family consider moving from home to a senior care community, A, when it's no longer safe to live at home, B, when the health of the caregiver begins to decline, C, when paying for home care and other services is no longer affordable, or D, all of the above. The answer right after the break. You're listening to Senior Care Live on the Senior Care Broadcasting Network. For more information, call now, toll free, 1-800-331-6445. Operators are standing by, one 800 331 6445. I'll be right back. Welcome back. You're listening to Senior Care Live on the Senior Care Broadcasting Network. For more information about the services offered on this program and how we can help you and your family, Be sure to call us on our toll-free number anytime. That's 1-800-331-6445. 1-800-331-6445. And don't forget you can stream this program to any electronic device. Super easy to do. Just go to SeniorCareLive.com. Click on the big microphone right there on the homepage or the Listen Live button, either one. Give it a few seconds to connect, and boom, you are in. It'll start uh, streaming to your phone, your tablet, your computer, whatever you have. really is that simple. All right, back to the Senior Care Live question of the week. When should a family consider moving their elderly loved one from home to a senior care community? Here are your options. A, when it is no longer safe to live at home. B, when the health of the caregiver begins to decline. C, when paying for home care and other services is no longer affordable. Or D, all of the above. And the answer is D, all of the above. Any one of those or combination of those should trigger the conversation of at least starting to discuss moving from home to a senior care community. So I'm here today with Maureen Lester. She's an, uh, a, uh, an elder law attorney with Shepherd Elder Law Group. You can reach Maureen at, uh, let me give you a couple of numbers here in Kansas, 913-333-3533. Missouri, 816-979-3533. You can also go online. It's an excellent website, Shepherd Elder Law. Dot com and uh, Maureen, we, we kind of set the stage in the first uh, in the first segment to uh, one spouse caring for another spouse we have we have burnout. We have very difficult job now being a 24/7 caregiver. It could cause strain in your relationship. And, and by the way, none of us are really ready for this. We're not prepared for it. We just do our best, right?
1: <laughs> that's exactly right. You, don't, you aren't trained to be a caregiver. At least most people aren't. And this can come as a real shock to a lot of families.
0: And and if there is a, an issue of a stroke or a heart attack or something that's sudden and it wasn't planned, uh, it's, it, it wasn't uh, predictable, um, all of a sudden, I mean, your life just changes. Just Just boom, just like that. Just literally in a blink.
1: And that happens to so many families. So to the extent that you can plan ahead, that's an excellent choice. But when you can't, there are options out there.
0: Okay, so let's go ahead and move on, uh, to, you know, this couple and now one of the, one of the spouses needs to move to long-term care, also known as a nursing home, because they're going to need that highest level of care because of their, their health uh, situation. So, uh, let's talk about, well, I'll just, I'll just let you take it from there because there are opportunities to maybe protect some assets.
1: Sure. So when somebody moves into the long-term care facility, what a lot of people are struck by is the high cost. In town, in the Kansas City area, one of those facilities is going to cost somewhere in the ballpark of between seven to ten or $11,000 per month. I don't know about you, but that's going to eat up my nest egg yep. really quickly, and mm-hmm. it puts a lot of families in a very, very um, hardship-type situation. So... Back in the old days, before I was even a practicing attorney, people used to get divorced because that was the only way they were able to actually set aside some money for the spouse who's still at home.
0: Can you imagine that? I can't. That's terrible. Your
1: marriage was the thing gluing you together, yeah. and now we're faced in breaking that apart. Well, when legislators realized this, they determined that that puts too much strain on families. So they created some rules to where you don't have to get divorced in from a marital standpoint, but... You take your money, and it looks like the money actually gets divorced. Yeah. And that's a process called division of assets. So thank you, legislators, for setting that up. So what I do then is I look at my client's financial picture, and I work within those rules. Essentially what happens is when somebody goes into the nursing home, we tally up all of their assets belonging to either spouse. It doesn't matter whose name is on that asset. We divide their assets according to the rules. Assets that are attributable to our well spouse, also called the community spouse, the one who stays at home, those assets are protected. The assets that are attributable to the sick spouse or the spouse that needs care, Mm -hmm. those have to be spent down. And they have to be spent down to pretty dire limits in order to become eligible for some of the programs. So basically, we're going to talk about what does it take to get Medicaid to help you pay for care. And in order to be eligible for Medicaid, that spouse who needs care, their assets have to be spent down in Kansas, to only two thousand dollars of resources. You're,
0: you're basically just almost broke. At can, that you, point.
1: can you imagine if the spouse staying at home also had to only have two thousand dollars?
0: Well they wouldn't be able to, they, they couldn't make it.
1: That's absolutely right, which yeah. is why we have the division of assets process to save more than that amount of money for the spouse who still lives at home. If you're in Missouri, you're a little bit luckier. This year you get to keep four thousand dollars for that spouse who's in care. Now, this has gone up over the last couple of years. It's currently at $4,000, and next July 1st, so in about 11 and a half months, it'll go up to $5,000 and then we will be maxed out.
0: Okay. And so it's been 3000 for the last year. Now it's 4000 as of July the 1st.
1: That's right. Okay. All right. So let's sort of set this up so that we can continue to talk about the same individual's over the next couple of segments. So Harry and Wilma are husband and wife. H, Harry for husband, and W, Wilma for wife, so we can keep track of them easily. Oh,
0: uh, I see what you did there. Thanks.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so their scenario is a little different than the one you talked about earlier. Yeah. Husband, Harry, he had a fall on April 1st. So this isn't something like a stroke, but it's still a sudden event. He broke his hip. Mm-hmm. Harry goes off to rehab. Once you're in the hospital for three overnights, typically Medicare will pick up your stay at a rehabilitation facility. Uh Great. So Harry's in rehab. He's doing the bicycle, and he's working on walking upstairs with the therapist every day, and he actually lives at the short-term care rehab facility. Well, after being there for a couple of months, the care team and Harry and Wilma and their kids all sit down for a care meeting. They talk about how Harry's needs are still pretty high. He still needs help getting dressed. He still needs help using the restroom, taking a shower, doing a lot of those activities of daily living. As a team, they determine that Wilma can't care for him at home. This is very emotional for Wilma, but they realize that this is going to be the best scenario for Harry. So to set the stage once again, Harry and Wilma have a house, one car, Checkings and savings with about $30,000 in their checkings and savings accounts. They have an investment account with their financial advisor. That account has about 200000 of resources. They also have some government bonds, which are worth $10,000. Harry has an IRA of $50,000. And then there's life insurance on Wilma. And that has about $10,000 of value to that life insurance policy.
0: So that is their financial picture. And so, and this is pretty typical and the numbers may be different, either higher or lower, but, but this is a really, really typical situation. So we've taken you up to the point of the, the, this, this, the spouse becoming the caregiver. We had an event, we went to the hospital, we went to rehab, and now we're gonna look at how do you divide the assets. And we just gave you the list of assets. So after the break, Maureen is gonna let us know how you can do this legally and effectively. You do not wanna miss this. Stay tuned, don't go away, we'll be right back. You're listening to Senior Care Live on the Senior Care Broadcasting Network. For more information, call now, toll free, 1-800-331-6445. For more information about the services offered on this program and how we can help you and your family, be sure to reach us on our toll-free number anytime. That's 1-800-331-6445. 1-800-331-6445. And don't forget, if you ever miss an episode of Senior Care Live, maybe you want to share the program with family or friends, or maybe you just want to go back and hear it again, no worries at all. Go to SeniorCareLive.com, click on the podcast tab, and that's where you'll find all of the previously aired episodes. Find the one you want to hear, click the play button. Again, give it a few seconds to connect, and you can stream that uh, to any of your devices 24 hours a day. All right. Back to my special guest in studio today, Maureen Lester. She's an attorney with the Shepherd Elder Law Group. And, uh, if you want to reach Maureen, if you have questions about this, and I'll tell you what, after this segment, you will have questions. You will want to talk to her. 913-333-3533. In Missouri, 816-979-3533. You can also go online at Shepherd Elder Law
1: so let's pick up where we left off. We were talking about our husband and wife, Harry and Wilma, and as a reminder, they have a house, one car, checkings and savings accounts with about thirty thousand dollars, an investment account with their financial advisor with about two hundred thousand dollars, government bonds worth ten thousand, Harry has an IRA worth fifty thousand dollars. And there's a life insurance policy on Wilma that's worth $10,000. And remember, our goal is to get Medicaid for Harry, who's now in a long-term skilled nursing home. Harry has to get down to where he has, let's put Harry in Kansas, to where he has $2,000 of resources. Once we get that, what happens is that Harry pays his income towards the nursing home. Mm-hmm. That covers a small portion of his $8,000 bill. Yep. (laughs) Then Medicaid pays the rest. That's the end goal, and that's why Medicaid can be so helpful. Our goal on a secondary level is to make sure that we maximize what we can protect for Wilma, the community spouse. So how in the world can we do this? Well, first, we have to assess Harry and Wilma's snapshot date. That is the date that we base all of our numbers on. The snapshot date occurs when Harry has his first day of a 30-day period where he's continuously receiving care. So for our guy, Harry, remember he fell on April 1st, and Mm -hmm. he went straight to rehab. He never came home in between. Now it's a couple of months later, and their snapshot date is that first day because he was continuously receiving care outside the home. So
0: that would include even your stay at the hospital.
1: Absolutely. Okay. So April 1st, he falls, he goes to the hospital. That's day one, and that's their snapshot date. Okay. That's the day that Medicaid says, look at everything they owned. Put it all on the table. We're going to take a look at everything. doesn't matter if it's in Harry's name or Wilma's name. We're checking out everything. So that gets to be a difficult thing to look at when, let's say, five years ago, Wilma had a fall. And she went to the hospital and then to rehab and stayed in care for more than 30 days. We might actually have to use a snapshot date from several years ago. We might have to go find historical statements from all of their assets. But for Harry and Wilma's particular situation, we're looking at April 1st and those values that I gave out earlier. Okay. So we take all of those assets. And when clients are in my office with me, I gather things that are happen to be sitting on the table, maybe a Kleenex box, maybe some pens, some papers, and I literally set them all on the table in a little pile. And we name what each of those little items is going to be representative of. Okay. So the Kleenex box might be the the house, the pen might be the car, a piece of paper might be the checking's accounts, and we and we name all of these representative items. And that's to illustrate that everything is on the table. Then we talk about What things can we take off of the table? Those are called exempt resources. Those are things that our legislators say, you don't even need to count these when we're looking at how much you can keep for Medicaid. Those items typically are your primary residence, the items that are in your house, one car, and irrevocable funeral plans. You can also have a couple of burial plots that you've purchased so that you can have your space reserved for you. Okay. There's a couple of others, like some income-producing property. Think of a rental house or some farmland. But those rules are very nuanced. So if you have any of those that could be exempt assets, highly recommend that you seek professional guidance on those. So for Wilma and Harry, their house and their car are their exempt assets. So we go ahead and just take those off the table. Now all that's left are those other items, the bonds, the checking accounts, the investment account, and the life insurance policy. Those are called available resources. Those count towards the limits that Harry and Wilma can have before they become eligible for Medicaid. Okay. So think about it this way. An available resource is generally anything that you can cash in or sell or demand to be handed over to you. So even though something like the IRA, you generally don't want to cash that in. Right it's an available resource.
0: Okay.
1: In Kansas, though, there's a really nice exception to that rule. The IRA that belongs to the community spouse, in our example, that's Wilma, Mm -hmm. that's also an exempt resource. So, if you're receiving care in Kansas, an IRA or other retirement account that's attributable to the community spouse gets to be exempt. That also gets to be off the table. That can be a huge benefit to people. Absolutely. So, now we've got the available resources that are about $300,000 on April 1st. So if you go back and add up all those items that I talked about, those are $300,000. So now, as division of assets would indicate, we divide that in half. Okay. $300,000 divided by two, $150 each. Easy squeezy, right? Right. Uh oh. There's I hear
0: I, I hear a, a butt or a gotcha coming. <laughs> I can just feel it in my bones.
1: That's, that's like, that's the lawyer's favorite word, but, uh, right. or however. However,
0: right, right, right. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yes, we must qualify all of our advice, right? Okay. So Wilma, the community spouse, She is subject to the maximum. And this year in 2019, the maximum half that a well spouse can keep is $126,420. It's a fairly arbitrary amount. Mm -hmm. So to make our math a little bit easier and to make sure we don't cut it too close, let's give Wilma $125,000. Okay. That's really close to what she gets to keep. All right, $125,000. So essentially, now Harry's half that has to be spent down is the 150 that was the divided equally in half plus the amount of Wilma's 150 that's over her maximum right so Harry's half that has to be spent down is about 175000
0: 175,
1: 175. yep very okay. good so we can there's a couple of options one of those options is that we can just pay for the nursing home we can just spend that money paying month by month by month, $8,000 a month towards the nursing home bill, and we can spend 175000 in a relatively short amount of that, time when you think about fast. it. That'll go fast, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. And what a lot of people don't even realize is that Wilma's half is protected. Many, many people would assume they have to spend the entire 300000 before they can get Medicaid, mm-hmm. and that's just not the case. Nor do you have to sell the house and the car. Remember, those are exempt. So... We can do that. Or, of course, there are other options available. Those legislators, when they thought about how this would impact the community spouse, they really did a great job. They said it's okay to spend that 175000 on other items. And you can essentially spend on anything that's going to benefit Harry, and here's the kicker, can also benefit Wilma. It okay. doesn't have to just be spent on Harry, even though it's his half.
0: Now that sounds more interesting to me.
1: This can get really exciting. So there's a couple of categories, and I sort of take a tiered approach when I'm talking to my clients about how to spend this money. This process we enter into is generally called a spend-down. A lot of people who have set foot in this world of long-term care have heard that term, spend-down. So when we're talking about spend-down, first I look at... What are going to be Harry and Wilma's basic necessities? Because those are going to be the most important things. If we only have, you know, let's say that Harry's half was much smaller. If he only had 30000 to spend, what are the most important things to spend on? It's going to be those necessities to set up Harry and Wilma for what life is now like. So, for example, things that they need. If Harry needs something like a new walker to help him get around at the facility. So that's maybe in the category of durable medical equipment. Maybe Harry needs some clothes because he's going to have caregivers helping him do daily tasks. So something like sweatpants instead of his typical slacks are going to make that a lot easier on him and his caregivers. Mm -hmm. New shoes, especially if they need diabetic shoes, for example. Glasses, hearing aids, batteries, a year's supply of batteries for those hearing aids. Great thing to spend on. It doesn't matter if the hearing aid's for Harry or for Wilma. Maybe Harry wants to be able to stay occupied and stay in touch with his family from the nursing home. So, some technology for Harry, maybe a tablet so that he can FaceTime his grandchildren that are out of town, or he can stay in touch with Wilma. You could get him a cell phone or even a plug in phone that, and you can actually also buy the data plan. So, think about pretty much any tangible item that you can go out to the store and buy. That's going to benefit Harry.
0: And you can use your spend down on that.
1: That's exactly right.
0: So so for our listeners, do you hear how complex this got just in about a second or two? <laughs> this is why I'm constantly saying if you are looking at a division of assets, uh, you absolutely need to reach out to someone who knows what they're talking about. And Maureen definitely knows what she's talking about. Reach out to Maureen Lester with the Shepherd Elder Law Group. We'll give their contact information and have more information right after the break. Come back. You're listening to Senior Care Live on the Senior Care Broadcasting Network. For more information about the services offered on this program and how we can help you and your family, be sure to reach us on our toll-free number anytime. It's 1-800-331-6445. Again, that's one 800 331 6445 special guest in studio today Maureen Lester she's an attorney with the Shepherd Elder Law Group if you want to reach out to Maureen if you have if this is lighting you up <laughs> like like I think it is and if you're like oh my goodness I think we need to talk to Maureen we we need to look into this uh, or or if you've if you think you've made some decisions and you might want to reconsider those, if you need to contact her, let me give you a couple of phone numbers here, 913-333-3533 and 816-979-3533 online at shepherdelderlaw.com. And Maureen, you... Uh, serve families on the Kansas and the Missouri side have uh, different office space uh, in, in multiple locations. So uh, you, you've you got the entire listening area covered easily.
1: That's right. That's our goal. And not only do we have offices in Overland Park, in the Northland, and in Lee Summit, we also make it our goal to be the absolute experts in the laws of both states. So yep. whether you're receiving care in Kansas or receiving care in Missouri, we know the rules in both states because yep. they're different.
0: They are different. Perfect. Perfect. All right. So we've, we've talked about the couple. We've talked about the need, uh, to move, uh, uh the, one of the spouses to long-term care and live there. We've talked about the expense, which is very significant. We talked about dividing the assets and protecting the assets for the community spouse. And so, uh, uh, let's go ahead and uh, take it from there.
1: Thanks. So just to recap, Now we're in the category called spend down. We are working on spending down the husband's half, actually in this case more than half, of the resources that need to be spent before Harry, the husband, can be eligible for Medicaid. We talked about the very first category of spending down, the basic necessities. Essentially, any tangible items that you can go to the store and buy, whether they're for Harry or for Wilma, but they have to be for the two of them. They can't be for the kids. They can't be for the grandkids. No tablets for the grandkids, unfortunately. But if they're for Harry and Wilma, the husband and wife, it's okay to spend that money on. Interestingly enough, legal fees for Harry and Wilma also part of spend down. So mm-hmm. when you're thinking, oh my gosh, anytime a lawyer opens their mouth, it costs $1,000 – you might be right, but it's okay in this case because it's part of their spend down.
0: Let me tell you, it's some of the best money you will ever spend. Uh, A protecting some of the assets uh, so that the community spouse can continue to live independently uh, and and and, and be doing it right and doing it legally and being uh, uh, doing it properly and not doing anything wrong. That might have some unintended harmful consequences.
1: You bet. When folks take this on. On their own, a lot of times it can be very, very hectic. And you're ensuring that you're doing everything correctly when you go through a professional. Absolutely. All right, let's talk about a couple other ways that we can spend down. The second category that I look to to spend down items. Remember how we got to take those exempt items off the table? Right. Well, what if we took some of the money that's called available money and turn it into exempt money?
0: That- Uh, That's good. How do you do that?
1: I wave my magic wand. (laughs) Right. But the best way to do that are to spend money on those exempt resources. So you can spend money on the house. If the house maybe needs a new roof or a new water heater, remember, Wilma's going to continue to live there. If we can set up that house to be better suited for Wilma for the future, great. Let's widen some doorways so that Wilma can live there even if she uses a walker. Put some ramps on the house. Put in grab bars. You can also do larger items like redoing flooring. But all of those things. Are on the primary residence, and
0: it's an allowable uh, use of the expen- of the uh, of the spend down dollars.
1: Absolutely allowed. One of the cutest things I ever heard: a wife was in my office, and she said. Does this mean I can get new curtains? He would never let me get new curtains. Oh, my
0: gosh. Sure, you can do that.
1: (laughs) Exactly right, but it can be something like that, and that brought her so much joy. So to be able to find some joy in this is great. That's good. Another exempt item where you can spend a lot of money if you really want to, you can upgrade the car. So if Wilma is driving a 2009 Honda, if she wants to upgrade that to something a little uh, more Recent, like a 2018, it doesn't have to be a brand new car. It doesn't have to be a Corvette, but it could be
0: something more reliable.
1: Something more reliable. That's exactly right. Yeah. The other main thing, and this is something that I would automatically advise Harry and Wilma do, they can purchase those funeral plans. And if they make them irrevocable, now they're an exempt resource. Yep. And if you're going to do a full burial, you can easily spend $10,000 per burial. That's right. And if you're going to buy them for both spouses, remember, we can benefit Harry and Wilma. That's 20000 right there. And we know they're going to need them. And Wilma should feel really good about setting those up because now her kids don't have to reach into their pockets to pay for the funeral.
0: And you've, you've taken an accountable asset that needs to be spent and turned it to an exempt asset. It's just a good business and financial move, frankly.
1: That's exactly right. Yep. Okay. So that category is also usually a no-brainer. It's just fun sometimes to consider what are some of the things that we can do? What makes the most sense? And sometimes, too, we have to think about if Wilma wants new flooring in the house, That might take several months to have happen. Is waiting those several months and paying the nursing home for those several months, is it worth it? So a lot of times I'm just helping the family bring up all of the items that are potential Mm spend-down, and then we talk about pros and cons of each spend-down item. So I absolutely walk the families through what are the best decisions for them. So... If we thought of a lot of things, but it doesn't total 175000 because let's be honest, it's really hard to spend that kind of, of money, money especially yeah. in a short period of time. Sure. So if we've spent and spent and spent on things and we just can't think of anything else to spend on, we can go back to the basics. You can spend the rest on the nursing home for a couple of months, sure. Or we can do something else that those wonderful legislators put directly into the law. So remember, I use these laws to my client's advantage but it's all above board and it's all perfectly legal you can turn the remainder of the available money into a medicaid compliant income stream okay so basically anything that's left to be spent down you turn it into a stream of income that pays out to the community spouse to wilma so this isn't always advisable and it has to be done exactly correctly following all of the rules which again are very nuanced so I do recommend if you're going to embark on this path that you use the help of a professional So, when you take excess spend down money you can turn it into either a medicaid compliant annuity or you can loan it out in exchange for a medicaid compliant promissory note once you do that you write a big check to the annuity company or as the loan. The money is now gone. It's spent. It is off the table. Now, they meet the requirements. Harry has $2,000. Wilma has $125,000, plus the house, plus the car, and the irrevocable funeral plans. And the very next month, Wilma receives a check from that annuity or the promissory note. She simply puts it in her bank account. Now, it's important to note that when you first spend the money, you have to apply right then and there. When you reach the threshold limits to be eligible for Medicaid, you send in that application really fast because the very next month, Wilma is going to start getting that money back from the annuity or the promissory note.
0: All right. So that was very complicated. I would never uh, recommend anyone try that on your own. Reach out to Maureen Lester with the Shepherd Elder Law Group, 913 333 3533. 816-979-3533, online at shepherdelderlaw.com. The bottom line is you don't have to spend every single penny to pay for your spouse's care at the nursing home. If you work with Maureen and the great folks at Shepherd Elder Law, you can get that done properly and it could save you a lot of money. Maureen, thanks so much for being here today. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Steve. All right, I'm your host, Steve Keeker, and I wish you grace and peace. May God bless you and your family on this day and always. I'll see you next week right here on Senior Care Live.